Over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. All these changes happen in like a two-year period. And so there's been more volatility in that online marketing space than I've ever seen in my entire life. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, if you're getting anything out of this, I always ask you to uh, give me a rating and review, but I'm going to amend that. I know that for some of you who haven't done it yet, a rating and review sounds like a lot of work, right? You got to think of something to say. You got to come up with a rating and like, how do you like, I don't want to think of something to say. I got one easier for you. If you're listening in Apple, um, iTunes uh, or Apple, Apple Podcasts, I should say. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts or if you're listening through Spotify or something else, just click on the subscribe button. That's all I ask. Just just click the subscribe button. It helps me out immensely. I think it may help out even more than a rating and review. And it's so much easier. Just go onto your little device that you're listening to now. Most of you are listening on a phone. I know this because I see the analytics. But wherever you are, just hit subscribe and that's all you have to do. That would be such a huge, huge benefit to me and I would just appreciate it so much. So go do that real fast before you even listen to the episode and then come back and join us because I have a great guest on for you today. But go click that subscribe button on, on Apple Podcasts or in uh, Spotify, wherever you are. Click on that subscribe button. Please, please, please. I would I really appreciate it. It help me so much and I would be so appreciative. Okay. <clears throat> Assuming you did that and pause this and now you're back. I have a great guest for you. This is uh, on the show today. I have Dan Barrett. <clears throat> Dan Barrett is the founder of AdWords Nerds. It is a company that specializes in working with real estate investors. They don't work with anybody else. They work only with real estate investors to help you get your Google AdWords out there, to help you advertise on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok. They do it all. It's a one, one-stop shop for online advertising. And these guys have been doing it for over a decade now. They are really, really great at what they do. They also have a podcast, by the way, called the REI Marketing Nerds Podcast. Uh, Dan is a fun guy. I've known him for a long time. I always enjoy talking to him. I've had 
plenty of conversations with him off the air, and I just have a blast every time I talk to him. And I think that comes through. He's a very, very fun guy. Uh, but he's also a super smart guy, and that will absolutely come through in this episode because he lays it out there, what he thinks is going on in the market, what he thinks is going on with ads, and how ads are successful or not successful, the changes that he's seen over the last few years, the changes he expects to see coming in online ads, just a, just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm excited to have him on the show. So without any further ado, I give you Dan Barrett of AdWords Nerds. Hey, Dan, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you being on the show. It's good to talk to you. I hope you've been well. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. First of all, I'm super pumped to, to jump in. And yeah, thank you for thank you for asking. Things have been very well, I was gonna say very good. <laughs> I was gonna say very good. It's been so I'll put it this way. I think most people listening to this probably had like a relatively challenging two to three year last like Why? last. Why? What's few been years. going on? I don't know. Yeah, what's uh, yeah. I guess it's just something me. on your end. Something personal. Something very yeah, specific to you. Or? Something not so much personal as like global, but also oh, personal. You know, something but, uh, big's been happening. I don't watch the news. You got to excuse me. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's been it's been a wild few years, man, and yeah. I, I feel like. Um, in some ways, I have grown more as a person and a business owner, particularly in the last three years than I did in the entire 10 years prior. So that's been awesome and things are great, but I would I would be lying if I just said everything's peachy keen, right? It's been yeah. uh, it was a challenging few years. For um, sure. But yeah, you learn lessons and that's what life's all about, at least for me. All right. So let's, other than the bio, which was pretty quick and kind of surface level, let's frame a little bit who you are. So everyone knows, I think at, at this point, if you've been listening since the top of the show, that Dan runs a, a marketing agency. Uh, he does PPC uh, for real estate investors, very specific, which is really, really cool. Um, but is that like, did you like come out of the womb, like PPC ready to go? Or did you have a career before this? Or like, what did you do prior to catering to real estate investors in this world? Yes. Well, uh, like my father before me and his father before him. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. A line of internet so, marketers. Yeah. It's, I took a weird route to get where I'm at. So like you said, marketing agencies, specifically real estate investors, specifically motivated seller leads. That's what we do and yep. have done for about a decade now. Um, but the way I got to that, so originally I was looking to become a teacher. I wanted to teach history. So hmm. I went to college. I got my master's degree in history, got a master's degree in education. I was doing student teaching. And uh, at some point, I just kind of realized teachers don't make a lot of money. And I was looking for ways to make some extra cash. So I started freelancing. Okay. And the reason I was able to start freelancing and doing some online marketing work was during that whole early period when I was in college and high school, you know, sort of doing my student teaching and stuff. I was also in bands. So like mo more people know me as a musician than know me as a marketer, right? Oh my God. So I was doing bands and touring around and crappy buses and that kind of thing. <laughs> and someone always needed to be the guy that like, got the shirts printed or like handled the cash or, you know, made the website. Yeah. And I just kind of always been that guy. And so I'd sort of learned to do some very early web design and learn my way around WordPress and learned SEO. And this was all just in service of, Hey, we're going to play a show this weekend. We need people to know about it. So 
when time came to start freelancing, I was doing a little bit of SEO, a little bit of web design, just working with local businesses, and very quickly found out that, oh, oh I'm making more money freelancing than I probably will six years into a full-time teaching position. Wow. And history teaching at the time, was it was hard to find jobs doing it, right? So I decided to go full-time freelance um, and spent a couple of years just working with kind of anybody, local businesses pizza parlors, ambulance companies, uh, like whoever. And I ended up picking up a client uh, who was a real estate investor, who I still talk to to this day is this guy, Dan Schwartz, who went on to start Investor Fuse. Um, so at the time, he was just an investor over in Baltimore. And we were similar age. We both liked music. And so we just hit it off, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. he was my entry point into investing because I knew, I knew nothing about it. And in fact, I always joke that, you know, we had this whole conversation where he's saying, you know, yeah, so, you know, I buy houses and then I, I rehab them and I sell them for the prop, for profit. And I was like, oh, great. You know, geez, you must have a lot of cash on hand. And he was like, oh, I don't use any of my own money. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is illegal. I get it. Okay, cool. You know, like, <laughs> oh, my friend's money. a so, criminal. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All sounded very strange, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I ended up working with him and building out these strategies and campaigns that did really well for him. And, uh, you know, kind of had that experience. And then I knew I needed to pick a target market. I, I knew from the beginning, I wanted to be the best in the world at something. But I also knew just, you know, I don't know if people are watching the video right now, but if you look at me, I I don't look like much, right? So it's like, I'm not going to be a basketball player, a baseball player, whatever. Like, I probably need to narrow my focus if I really want to be the best at anything. <laughs> So I was like, I know I want to pick a really specific target market. And I kind of needed a forcing function to make me make that decision because I was indecisive. So I spent 10 grand on a ticket to a Tony Robbins business mastery event because I had never done anything like that before in my life. I put it on a credit card. It was more money than it spent on anything. And I went down to the event and I sat all the way in the back row. And because I didn't want to dance or get picked on or whatever, I didn't know what was going to happen. Right? I was like, he's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. So I sat all the way to the back and I ended up sitting next to Glenn and Amber Schwarm, who are real estate investors in upstate New York, still amazing investors, trainers to this day and having the conversation, what do you do? And I was explaining why I was there and they were like, well, you should work with us because we need leads all the time. And I just said, oh, all right, that's my target market. And basically from that point on, we have been 100% focused on just motivated seller leads. You know, it's expanded from Google to do Facebook and SEO and YouTube. And, you know, now I'm learning TikTok and all this stuff. But that was always the focus is just be the best at this one lead type for this one type of client. Mm. And it's been great. I mean, that was so early in the process. I remember having conversations with investors when I started that what it started with, well, here's what Google ads are. Cause there's not that many people were doing them back then. Right. right? So yeah. we got, we, we were lucky enough to be early and to kind of set a foundation as we're the ones who do this. And it's, it's been amazing, man. It's been such a fun ride. It's never boring. It never stays the same. It's always something different every day. And that's, that's why I love it. Yeah. That's huge. You know, you mentioned, um, at the top here, uh, that it's been a wild ride. And I'm just wondering when COVID hit, Mm. 
I would have guessed if you hadn't said that, I would have guessed your business started booming when COVID, like COVID was a good thing for your business. Obviously, it was a bad thing globally, but it was a good thing for your business because it seems like, and, and I'll put myself in this category, online leads skyrocketed because people mm. were sitting at home. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't go to work. And a lot of people were freaking out. They're going to lose their house because they're in the service industry, for example, and everything shut down. It's like, how do I sell my house fast, right? Is that true or was it difficult during that time for your business? Yeah, it's... That's a great question. It it's interesting, right? Because it's it's hard now from the perspective of what whatever year this is, twenty twenty two, whatever year this twenty twenty two took me a second um, to look back and like really remember. And I was thinking about this recently. You know, it's like Kobe Bryant died at the beginning of twenty twenty. Like that yeah. was what was you know the big thing. Yep. And I still remember uh, my birthday is in March. And I had like a 40th birthday plans and we were going to have a big party or whatever. And we had to cancel it. Right. It was right at the beginning of when people mm. started to be like, Oh, this is a thing. And we don't, we don't know what it is. Right. We didn't yeah. know what it is. And then you go through the whole period where you can't buy toilet paper. Right. Like remember it was like, you couldn't buy toilet paper. Right. It's like, all this is I so, hoarded toilet paper. I'm just going to say it right. I got to get it out. It's been on my chest for two years. Oh, I hoarded <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> I wish I had been smart enough to hoard toilet paper. I bought like a 10 pound bag of oatmeal because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. We're still going through it. My kids are like, I hate oatmeal. They will not eat it anymore. It's terrible. Um, so it's like it, at that time, I just had zero idea what to expect. And so it was the first time that a real big event, big economic event was occurring mm -hmm. when I was self-employed and I had kids Yeah, because I was sort of in business around 2008 or sort of doing stuff around 2008, but I didn't have kids. So to me, it was emotionally this moment where I suddenly realized like, oh, I have seven people that rely on me for to feed their families. And I got to feed my family. Yeah. And so I, I would say like, you know, I'm 42 now, but I feel like that was the moment I, I really became an adult. Like I was like, I am the man of the house metaphorically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, what ended up happening was there was a period of real drop-off, real period of drop-off where um, people just sat on their money for a little while. And yeah. that meant sellers and meant buyers and that meant investors, right? But I think everybody was like holding their breath. Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was there was a very sharp increase shortly after that, right? And so yep. what that ended up being a very strong year, right? But then what ended up happening to us personally was in 2021, then we saw a retraction mm. in terms of my personal business, right? Gotcha. Now, that ended up not being such a big deal because I became much more financially disciplined and con conservative in many ways through the emotional experience of 2020, which was actually financially better than 2021, but it, it was like flipped. Like 2021, yeah. I kind of felt like I got this. In 2020, it was like, who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. In Google, there was this really interesting curve where it went down real sharply and then came shooting up. And then by the end of 2020, the number I always remember was at the beginning of the year. So the beginning of 2020, 
national average conversion rate, which for folks who don't do this kind of stuff, right? It's the percentage of people that land on your website that end up becoming a lead. So if they call you, they fill out a form, they email you, that's a conversion. So conversion event, a conversion rate of 10% would mean for every 100 people that land on your website, 10 of them become a lead, right? Yeah. Yeah. National average conversion rate for investors at the beginning of 2020 was 6%. At the end of 2020, it was 1.5%. Wow. So you saw a dip, a rise, and then a crater at, at the end of the year, right? Mm. And so it was a, a combination of things. It's been weird to come back. You see a lot of hyper-competition now. You see price inflation. Mm. Um, you saw, I mean, you know, now they're out of the game, but it was like Zillow came into the instant offers kind of thing. It was like yeah. just all this stuff happening at the exact same time. Um, iOS put out an update that broke cookie-based tracking and Facebook ads. Um, you saw huge rises and then drops in the amount of people searching online. You saw open door and offer pad get real major brand traction for the first time. Google moved yeah. to algorithmic bidding structures for the first time. It was like all these changes happen in like a two-year period. And so there's been more volatility in that online marketing space than I've ever seen in my entire life. And in some ways, that's exciting. In some ways, it's terrifying, right? It's been, we've had yeah. some clients make more money from less leads than they've ever made before, right? So for a while, the spreads were huge. Mm -hmm. um, so then the cost per deal acquisition, I mean, it was just, it seemed yeah. like everything is going, going wild. And yep. now it feels, I don't know about you, I'd actually be curious to hear your take on it. I feel it's not so much that this is what's actually happening in the market, but I feel like what I hear as common knowledge, meaning like, you know that everybody else knows, right? So it's not even like what's necessarily reality, but what we all think everybody else thinks is that something's going to happen in the market. There's a tightening in the market. The market is slowing down now. Mm -hmm. Those years are behind us. And that's kind of led to a little bit of a stepping back and things seem to be kind of cooling off a little bit. I'm curious if that's your take on it as well. Yeah. You know, back in 2020, um, right, like probably six months into the pandemic, my bold prediction was within a year, uh, prices will be dropping again. <laughs> and I was wrong. It kept going, right? right. Um, to the tune that I even sold my house in 2020 in the summer because I was like, this is insane spiking. I can't imagine this, this is, is sustainable. Yeah. You know, people are freaking out. This is a panic. And so I sold my house uh, and made quite a bit of money actually on it. Uh, and then a year later, I could have made double what I made when I sold it. Like that's right. how fast it kept going up. Uh, but that's not what you asked. So, I think that, I, a matter of fact, I just recently interviewed the data and analytics vice president, director, something for, for bigger pockets, the guy who mm. runs all their analytics. And I asked him the same question. And the, the, the thought there was, and I, I agreed with him, but I like hearing someone smart agree with me that I know I'm onto something, that it, it is absolutely not going to keep going up. It's by the end of the year, that's very likely prices will level off, cool off a little bit, maybe even dip a little bit. I don't think we're going to see what we saw in 2008. There's no, there's absolutely no basis for anyone thinking that's going to happen. But with interest rates going up and people's buying power going down, it's going to naturally drive prices down a little or at least level them off, right? So we're going to see it cooling off a little bit. But what I think, you know, when, when prices are... So I do mostly wholesaling. Very little um, 
very little flipping, but I do mostly wholesaling. So when prices are soaring like this, it, in theory, that makes my job very difficult because everyone with the crappiest house, the dumpster fire houses think that they can sell for top of the market. You know, like everyone is so optimistic about their chances of selling for a top dollar. When prices love, they don't even have to go down, honestly, because the media is so good at scaring the bejesus out of everyone that when prices start leveling, they're going to scream, you know, the sky is falling. That's just what they do, right? Because right. to say house prices growth has diminished and it's leveling off, but don't worry, it's just, it'll eventually, they don't do that, right? They go, it's either house prices are going through the roof or they're bottoming out. So when things start leveling off, I'm, I, I anticipate the media will scare everyone. And when they start scaring everyone, because because they're trying to create more viewers, or if the market actually really does start to tank, either way, when people start thinking that their house is going to lose value, that's when my job as a wholesaler becomes easy. I just start scooping up houses that people are thinking they have to dump, or they're going to continue to lose equity, and I need to do it now. And you barely have to even talk them into it because they're just dying to sell their house. That I think that there's going to be some of that, but yeah, I do think house prices are going to at least level off. At least, like I look at. I look at the real estate market like a pendulum of a clock, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it goes one way, it always does, but it always goes back the other way to some extent. You know, if you look at real estate um, from like a thirty thousand foot view, you just see a forty five degree angle going up. You know, for like the last hundred years or hundred whatever. But if you zoom in on a decade to decade by basis, you just see it going up and down basically, right? So it goes up and down about every decade or so, but in the long term, it always goes up. So I, it will go down. Like we will probably see, like I just bought a house in September. That's when I, I just bought the house that I'm in. It's my forever house, bought it in September because I was sick of waiting for the prices to go down. I sold high and I was going to buy low and then I just got too impatient. So I bought a house. <laughs> my house has gone up in value by $100,000 since September. That's just stupid. That's an insane... And it's not a $10 million house where it's like a 10%, you know, it's like this little... It's a big increase, you know? And it's like, it just can't keep going. It's, it's You can't throw a ball in the air and expect it to stay up there forever, you know? If it stays up for a couple of minutes, you're pretty freaked out, but you know it's going to come back down eventually. And I just think, I think that's going to... Same thing we're going to have here. Prices are going to level off. But... You know, if you just watch the news and you don't really pay attention to to um, facts, you're going to think that your house is losing value fast, and and probably it'll just level off and dip a teeny bit. Probably. I mean, it's it's fascinating, right? Because so real estate is a market, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stock market's a market. Google Ads are a market. It's a marketplace like any other. It's a it's an auction system, and all markets operate on similar dynamics, right? And when you have uh, intelligent players, you have people that have access to information, ultimately what playing the market becomes is not playing the market itself, but playing the other people playing the market. Yeah. So it ends up being like, not even what do I think the market is really going to do? It's what do I think other people think the market is going to do, right? Um, And one of the reasons I'm like interested in crypto and uh, not because I'm a a big crypto investor, I'm not. I literally have like a tiny amount that I bought for fun and that's it. But I love watching it because you don't get to see the birth of a new market or 
the birth of a giant nothing burger, whatever it is, whatever it is. You, yeah. you just don't get to see this kind of thing happen all that often. Yep. And yep. it's such a fascinating look into human psychology, right? Because mm-hmm. crypto prices are at least right now, purely speculative, speculative. So it's only driven essentially by what everybody else thinks is going to happen. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting to me and like, so when we think about strategy for AdWords nerds as an agency or strategy for our clients as investors, right? I think about, well, okay, like, you know, not just what is the cost going to be in this market, but what's it going to do over time? And what do I think other investors are going to do over time? And, you know, I think about stuff like, well, we have friends here in West Hartford, Connecticut, where we live, and they're, they need to put their house on the market. They need to move quickly. Right. And I'm like, Hey, you're a motivated seller. I know some people, but yeah, you know, but they're, they're putting it on the market. Yeah. They put it on the market because everyone told them it's going to sell like that. Someone's going to walk in and give you cash two yeah. days after you put it on the market. Yeah. But they've had like 10 showings and no one's made an offer yet. And mm. now they're sweating and it's been like a week. Yeah. But it's because they had a certain expectation, right? Yep. Yep. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. But it, it just, it's, it's so fascinating to watch people's psychology and how that interacts with the underlying economics and stuff. This is like, this is why I like this stuff because, um, you know, I was saying this earlier, like anything you look at, whether it's real estate or AdWords or Google ads or anything, it's a microcosm of everything. And so if you yeah. dig, scratch the surface a little bit, you get psychology and economics and systems theory, and you get all sorts yep. of cool stuff to nerd out on. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but I, I appreciate your, that seems to be what I'm hearing as well. So it will be interesting to see what actually happens. Yeah. It's funny. I had this conversation with my dad a few weeks back. He's looking for a house. He's been looking for a while and he was frustrated. He's like, houses are going for insane prices. They're they're going for more than they're worth. And I said, no, they're not. They're, they're going for what they're worth. Whatever someone will pay is what it's worth. And he said, no, 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 I disagree. He said, you know, you get this house that's worth, it's it's only worth 200,000, but it's for sale for 300. And the bank will only loan 250. And so people are bringing $50,000 to the table. He said, so it's not worth 300. And I said, no, it is because it's selling and whatever it sells for, is what it's worth right now. It just yeah. is like, he's thinking of what it was worth a decade ago. And I, I get that, but it's like everything is worth, it's all perception. Like you said, a house is worth what someone is willing to pay. And if someone wants to bring a hundred thousand dollars to the table and buy it, the house just became worth that, you know? Well, so, exploiting the difference between the underlying, whatever you want to call the inherent economic value and the perceived value is yeah. where profit lives. That's where yep. all profit lives. Right. Like you, if everything, if everybody just paid exactly like what, whatever revenue something could, you know, if that's just how we all calculated it, there was, there's no profit in anything. And so if you're an investor or you're a marketer or you're investing in crypto, it is all about saying there's some kind of inherent value that something's going to return to. And the current perceived value is either higher or lower than that. And how do I take advantage of that fact? Right. So it's uh, it's interesting, man. It makes the world go round. Totally. Uh, and hopefully people can take advantage of that stuff and use mental models and use rational thinking and use, like you said, data and like sort of try to come to their own uh, conclusions about where the rest of society is wrong. 
because where society is wrong and you are right, that's where a fortune's there to be made, you know? Totally. Now you mentioned, and this was new since maybe we talked last. I mean, anyway, it's probably not new to you, but it's new since you and I had a conversation. Um, I knew you did Google AdWords, but you're doing Facebook now and and YouTube. Like you're literally, your, your expertise is in all of these, these areas that are, have to be, so frustrating because they can just change their their rules on a whim, it seems, right? So it's bad enough to be dealing with Google. Now you're dealing with Facebook. Um, it, when in your business, if do you just as a service go, we just we'll do them all for you? Or do people like, is it like a la carte? Like, I want Google, I don't want Facebook, I want YouTube, but I don't want, you know, TikTok. Like, how does that work for you, for you guys? Yeah. So, as a, the service side, um, for P, all the PPC platforms, we just do for a single flat fee okay. because um, this kind of gets to that issue where um, there is no one size fits all strategy that makes sense for every investor. Right. Like everybody wants the silver bullet that's always going to work and it just doesn't exist. And actually, it's one of my one of the the main things I actually just went through the hiring process, hiring people for our team, hiring new managers for the first time in a while. And um, in the interview process, I would ask them questions like, "Okay, um, you know, this client's conversion rate is down 10 percent. What do you do about it? And the more certain they got, the more wary I became. Mm. Because the th- the trick about that question is, before I can answer that question, I need to know about the client. What's their mm. budget? What can they afford to spend? Yeah. You know, For this case, it's like, what's your close rate? What's your market look like? What's your risk tolerance, right? All these things are important because all, situ- all solutions and all situations are contextual. Right. It all depends on the context. So for us, the reason that we ended up going multi-channel, sort of not just doing Google ads, but doing Bing and YouTube and, you know, SEO and Facebook and all this stuff. It's not because I wanted to necessarily because it massively increases the complexity of my business. Right. For sure. Um, So from a purely, you know, capitalist pig standpoint, like I would rather just have the simplest possible thing. But what ended up happening was we realized because every individual channel, if you're all in Google ads, you're all in direct mail, you're all in bandit science, right? All your eggs are in that basket. There is a huge amount of risk that you take on if your business depends on it. And this is the lesson like I, I learned personally because early in our agency, we, our primary mode for getting new clients was Facebook. Right. So we did Google ads for clients, but Facebook was where we found investors. Right. And this is sort of yep. the golden age of Facebook advertising. Yep. There's a point at which I was getting a 15 times return on every dollar I spent in Facebook. I literally could not spend enough money in Facebook. They wouldn't let me. They wow. like capped me out. Wow. And so uh, we just did that all day, every day. Right. And then it just stopped working. And because I hadn't built, multiple channels or, you know, if I had, I'd kind of let them go by the wayside. Yeah. That had a huge impact on us. And I was like, right. I realize this now I have given Mark Zuckerberg a controlling stake in my company's future. Right. Yeah, that's I, don't, 
Uh, nothing against Mark. I'm sure I'd actually be richer if that if I could literally do that. But like, I just I wasn't comfortable with that. And we realized he, for the Clint, problem is you gave him a stake in your company, but he doesn't know it, so he, he has no know. interest. He has no idea that exists, right? <laughs> so it's like, so we just realized it's the exact same thing for clients. It's for our clients, right? Yeah. And ultimately, what we're what we're trying to do is build resilience into clients, right? And so there's a certain amount of volatility. I will accept in any given channel and across all those channels for a given client. But we want to create some kind of stability and certainty, right? You need some of that. Yeah. It's, you know, volatility is not bad. You know, it's you back to the investing idea, right? If, if prices were not volatile at all, you could not make a profit. A price has to go up and down Mm. in order for you to benefit from that, you know, buy low, sell high, right? There's no volatility. There's no high or low to buy at, right? Right. So you need volatility in order to encourage evolution, adaptation, change. All resilient systems have some volatility in it. This is the whole anti-fragile idea, you know, from Nicholas Taleb. But at the same time, if I say you're going to do, you know, it's going to be great but you're going to get a hundred deals in one month and then nothing for the entire rest of the year, or it's going to be on off on off. That's not great for people either. So you need to strike a balance. And so if you have multiple channels of marketing going simultaneously, if one's up, the other can be down, right? If one turns off, you can turn something else up. And so it just became kind of core to our business model. You know, not every client wants to do that or has the budget to do that, but we needed, we really felt like ethically, we needed the capability of doing that, right? Yeah. Um, and for the stuff that we don't do, I just refer people out to other agencies that I like, right? So it's um, it's been an interesting kind of process to get there because I'm a Google Ads guy. That's my expertise. So part of it was expanding beyond just the stuff that I really know how to do. Right. Um, but I've been very fortunate in, in the fact that I've been able to hire really great people who have really built out our systems and sort of really built... Um, on the stuff that originally I put there. So it's, it's been, it's been interesting. We'll put it that way. For the people that you work with, and I know that everyone's different, but if you had to try to like high level this a little bit, if, if, if you're working with a hundred people and each of them get a hundred deals in a year from working with you, approximately what percentage of those are from Google and what percentage are from like Facebook, for example? Yeah, so it's gonna it, our data set will skew heavily towards Google because, okay. and I will I will say this, you know, quite frankly, I, oh, I always I lead with this with any client conversation, which is I am extremely biased, whether I realize it or not. Right, my company is called AdWords, right? I didn't call it like a bunch of stuff nerds. Yeah. It's AdWords nerds. That's <laughs> my business, like what I'm good at. So Did you A/B a, test a bunch of stuff, nerds? Because that sounds. I wish. Hot. I, wish I like I it. I wish because uh, there's all this trouble with Google. They don't like it that we're called AdWords nerds. They really? Yeah, we can't. I can't sign up for like a Google Calendar account because they're like, nope. But it, oh, but in wow. any case, like it, you know, so I am heavily biased, and it has a function of that because Google is the most for us the most reliable, best cost per deal acquisition, and highest ROI channel we run. Now, is that because it's that way or is that because that's just what I'm best at? And in many ways, my company is a reflection of me. In so many ways, our company culture is is sort of filtered through that capacity that has just become that way, right? So a good example is 
um, Kylie over at Silver Street Marketing. They're Facebook people. They do Facebook ads for, for investors. We do too. Technically, they're our competitors. But Facebook is what they do primarily. It's what they're best at, yeah. right? And um, I'm sure if you ask them, they'd be like, Facebook is by far the best ROI marketing channel we do. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, oh, you know, for my money personally, um, you know, if you're doing 100 deals, probably 80 of them are coming from Google, Okay, right? Um, yep. Facebook okay. tends to be, in my experience, and uh, again, just my experience, right? It's extremely high volume. So there's a very high lead volume, low lead cost, and that correlates with a relatively low close rate, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Your mileage may vary, but but for me, for our money, that's that's what's proven out over the last couple of years. Gotcha. What are your thoughts? And I know it's your business, right? And, and you run this agency, but still, I'm going to ask because I'm I'm interested in your in your answer to this. What do you think the future of pay-per-click or Facebook ads, what do you think that looks like? Do you expect it to continue to be strong? Do you think there's any any factors that are going to cause it serious trouble going forward? Like, what is your outlook on that? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, right? Because this is, um, I think this right now is a period of absolutely massive transition in the online advertising space you know, on multiple levels simultaneously, right? Because for one, I think Facebook is, if not dead in the water, they are, they are bleeding out and they are having massive trouble getting back to where they, they were, right? Um, and the online advertising has been split between Google and Facebook basically since they've been both advertising, right? Yep. And so I think that is massive transition number one. What steps in to fill that that hole? TikTok is very much trying. And I will tell you that in the groups that I'm in, which are other agency owners, right? So digital media owners, people do online advertising for a profession. What they are talking about is TikTok ads. That's what they are talking about. The word there is, hey, if you call, if you have a problem on TikTok, you can call someone and talk to a real human being right away and they'll help you. Facebook. Mm -hmm. They don't care if you live or die. You just yeah. hit the road, right? Um, I view that as, you know, I think it's a, it's a I can't, can't remember. It's Paul Graham or whatever is like a Silicon Valley investor guy who always says, um, you know, what the nerds do on the weekends now is what the future is going to be in five years. Yeah. That to me feels like that kind of thing. The fact that so many agency owners are migrating away from Facebook and sort of seeing it as broken, I think that's a really massive transition. Mm-hmm. Um, the other transition that's happening right now is a real push towards machine learning and artificial intelligence as the sort of underlying engine of what makes things happen. When I started with Google Ads, Google Ads was, I always liken it to Microsoft Flight Simulator. If anybody's like remembers Microsoft Flight Simulator, it's you get in, it looks like a plane. It's a video game, right? It's got a million mm. tiny dials, a million little buttons. Mm. Yep. And it, each button does the real thing. And it's, you've got really, you know, the, the, the instruction manual is like this big, right? It's a big, complicated <laughs> yeah. thing built by engineers. Yeah. And the thing about that kind of system is it requires human control. Yep. It requires human control, right? Google figured out the exact same thing that airlines figured out which is that 
flights get safer when you remove control from the human being. Not all control, but a whole bunch of it, right? Much of the flight process in terms of like flying an actual plane can be automated, computerized, centrally controlled, et cetera. Google ads realize the same thing. Most people, when they set up a Google ads account, what they did was set it and then forget it and then get poor results and stop advertising. That's bad Mm. for Google. Yeah. So what they realized was for most people, if you give them a relatively simplified interface and you say, let us handle it, we will set your bids. We will choose your keywords. We will even build your ad. They will write your ad for you Mm. if you want. Um, they will test the ads, all that you can just do automatically, right? Yeah. Um, they realize that on average, people would get better results that way. And so for the longest time, none of that worked for investors. This has been in the works for a long time, but none of it ever worked for investors because the thing about investors is that motivated sellers are a fairly tiny slice of any market. And so you never got a ton of traffic, even with a really good campaign. It's not like if you're selling sneakers on an e-commerce store and you're getting thousands of clicks a day, right? It was never like that for us. And so that kind of AI machine learning stuff, it never worked super well because the data sets were always small and the computer just couldn't learn. You know, I I would always joke like computer, no learn good. It couldn't extrapolate out from like small data set, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, since 2020, that has completely done a 180. And instead, what's happened is, oh, 2020, going into 2021, was the very first time in our internal tests that a Google bidding algorithm consistently and routinely outperformed a human manager, Hmm. like managing every individual bid. This and sounds horrible asked, for you, Dan. I'm worried. Go know, ahead. Right? Yeah. This I'm is waiting like, for I'm the really end of this story. This. <laughs> well, you know, and so I would always say, like, at some point, what ended up happening was managing ads became less like putting stuff in a spreadsheet, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Now what it is, is it is like large animal training. I am training an elephant. The elephant can kill me if it wants. It could crush me. Most of the days it doesn't. Right. But I have to feed it and train it. I'm trying to get it to do tricks. And there's a way we're trying to do that. So what my team studies now, like I'm about to do a week long training with new PPC managers. I am spending three out of our five days. I'm not even talking about ads. All I'm talking about is complexity theory, understanding uncertainty, how to test in situations where you can't determine a cause and effect relationship between what you did and what happened, how to run uh, experiments in a way where your data is, is valuable, how to aggregate data across different clients. Like it is about pattern matching on a level that I've never experienced, right? Mm. It's a different game. And the thing I notice is that when I look at other ad managers, or look at other agencies or even investors, right, who are doing their own stuff, I'm just like, oh, you don't see that yet. You, We're all playing a different game and nobody told you, right? Yeah. So yeah. I will see people float the same stuff. I, It's like stuff that literally I made six years ago. And people will be like, here's what, here's what we're going to do. And I'd be like, great. You know, that doesn't work now. Right. Like, but no one told me. 
So it's, um, you know, it's funny because in the beginning, I very much had the same thing. I was like, Google is trying to remove the agency. They're trying Mm -hmm. to remove the agency from the equation. That's bad for us. Over time, I've actually realized that it's a huge opportunity because um, being able to successfully adapt to change, the very first step of that is knowing that change is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, ironically, you would think it, on, online marketing is it should be fast pivot and all this stuff, and it, it isn't. It's actually fairly slow to wake up and change. And um, hmm. if anything, we've seen we've seen client results like massively improve, but it's yeah. massively improved because I threw away every best practice that I I had written all the best practices, the stuff that I had codified. The stuff that was in this industry that basically came from the stuff that I taught, we threw it all out and we're like, let's start over. And that's been the best thing that ever happened to us, right? So it's a fun time to be doing this work. It's a challenging time to be doing this work. But I'm also, I wake up every day excited and fascinated about what's happening, right? So, I, you know, it's tough, but it's fun. What can I say? it's not that different from real estate investing itself. You have to, you know, the the best way to deal with the changing markets is you have to understand the markets are changing, change your approach. You got to be able to throw out some stuff that worked two years ago when the market was totally different. So it's very relatable in that way. Um, And I know you, you know, we talked a little bit before we went live here about how you kind of run your business. And I know the biggest part of your business is like done for you. Um, I, I, tell people all the time. I mean, just to be totally transparent, I, I don't think a real a real estate investor business owner's highest and best use of their time is becoming um, an AdWords specialist, expert, whatever you want to call it. Like we should be finding deals, raising money, selling properties, flipping properties. Like that's that's mm-hmm. what we do. That's what we're great at. And I have always been very, very strong in telling people, hire it out. Hire someone who does this all the time. They know what they're doing. You know, you don't become an expert on tuning up cars because your car needs to tune up, like pay someone right. to do it. It's not your best use of time. Right. Um, so how does it work? How can people get a hold of you if they go, this guy is beyond brilliant and I want to be in his world and I want him to help me with what I'm doing because I need more leads for motivated sellers, which we always do. That's the great thing about your line of work is I started in 2008 real estate. And uh, in 2008, the big talk was uh, we need more leads. And in 2022, the big talk is we need more leads. And every year <laughs> in between, everyone's asked me, how do I get more leads? Right. right, right. So yeah. it's never, you know, it's just one of those things that I think will always be a reality. People are looking for more and better leads. And I think the funny thing is about real estate is, did um, I'm sorry, physical like marketing of letters and cards and things is still alive and strong, but God yeah. knows how. It's such an antiquated thing. And it's hard to believe that you can send someone a letter and you can get you can get a lead. But it seems to me that as People age and people who start, were, grew up on computers. I've always said this, and I'm I, I'm sure you have similar thoughts, but maybe you don't. People who grew up on computers as we get older, uh, we're more and more going online to look for solutions for things. Like when I want to learn how to do something, like I don't go get an encyclopedia. My dad does. I don't. I go to YouTube, right? So I think that's that means that this part of the industry and your part of the industry has probably got a heck of a great future because it seems like you're going to have more and more people online doing these things. But how can people, that was a long way of asking how you get into your world. How can people find you and get a hold of you? 
Yeah. So best places, adwordsnerds.com. So A-D-W-O-R-D-S nerds.com, which is the website. You can find all sorts of stuff there. Uh, we blog a lot. Um, like I just recently did, I think it's like a 30,000 word um, research project on open doors, online marketing. Um, oh. You can you search for AdWords Nerds Open Door. You'll find that. Um, I wrote a 40,000 word ultimate guide to PPC for real estate investors, basically my entire philosophy of PPC in a single oh. article. Um, okay. So there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but I, I've been on YouTube as well. I have a bunch of stuff on YouTube. You can find me there if you search for AdWords Nerds. And I have a podcast called REI Marketing Nerds. Uh, I'm all over the place, man. I've been I've been quiet for a little while because I have been, you know, when we decided we were going to bring on more managers, I decided to really double down and say, okay, what do I believe about how this should be done? What is important now? How do I codify this in a way I can give it to someone new? Right. So I'm. Yeah. Um, w- this this process is finishing up. The training process for them has been finishing up. It's been awesome, and. I'm I'm about to go full on ham online, just like posting stuff because I have so many thoughts about this industry. So yeah, I would love for people to just you know jump in awesome. anywhere uh, is convenient for them. Okay, and uh, you know I just love talking about this stuff. So totally, so man. Fun. We're gonna have all those things you just mentioned. We'll we'll throw on all your social handles and stuff if people want to find you there. I'm sure they can get to you at some point that way. Man, it's been fun catching up with you again, Dan. I really love talking yeah. to you all the time. We we talked for probably ten or fifteen minutes before we even went live, and I could have kept going, but I want to respect your time here. But um, thanks for doing this. And if people want to get a hold of you, AdwordsNerds.com. Go there and check it out. And uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for being on with me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. This was an absolute blast. Awesome, man. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Dan's a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to PPC. Trust me, he is the authority in that area. He is someone that I have been recommending for years because I just know, and you could tell when you hear this episode, he's just a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's been doing a long time. Very genuine guy too. And uh, I consider him a friend. So I am really excited that I had him on the show for you guys. You could benefit from that knowledge. Go check him out. Go to adwordnerds.com and uh, see if they can help you. Because if you're getting into PPC or if you haven't gotten into it yet, but you want to get into it, that's the first call I would make, the first place I would go. So go and check them out. Guys, get out there and make it happen. Make today the best day. We'll talk to you next time.